Hey, good morning, Munchropolis. It's now 5 after the hour of 6 a.m. in the big monster city. Come on! Let's get pumped! I'm not drinking any fucking below! What can I say? The camera loves me. Charlie, after you, Junior. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Multiplex Logged. I'm your host, Caleb Lobo Boatman. Tim, unfortunately, cannot be here tonight, but just as well, we are doing movies you want to live in. This should be a fun topic. Uh, Payson, how are you feeling? I'm doing good. Uh, last logged it show I'll be on for the year, so happy to go out with a good one. I think this is a really cool topic. Yeah, this is uh, the second to last show of the year, and uh, this is one of the topics I pitched. I, I think this one's gonna be fun. Mike, I know you. Yeah. You, I feel like if you could, you would just live in a movie. Goddamn right. Uh, you probably <laughs> live in a movie theater your whole life, but. Yeah. How are you feeling about this? I'm doing fucking great, you know. I'm excited for this. Mm-hmm. And a uh, relatively new face to the community, uh, Dean Manis. Dean, really happy to have you on. Uh, how are you feeling about the topic? I uh, feel great about the topic. Uh, super excited to be on the show. Uh, I watch a lot of your content. I watch a lot of Multiplex Entertainment content, uh, Warzone fandom, and all the other shows. So I'm really excited to just be a part of it. Yeah, well, we're happy to have you. And... With that, we'll get into the first part of the show. Your favorite movie you logged this week. Dean, I'm going to let you start out. All right, great. Um, Promise I'm not trying to just get extra points here with the person that's running this show today. Um, It just happened to be just a random occurrence that I watched it this week, and uh, it just happens to be incredible, and that is 12 Angry Men. That was was the favorite thing I watched this week. Um, I've been told, you know, like multiple times to watch this movie uh, by a lot of friends who know I'll love it. And I just never really got around to it. Uh, It's sometimes when I have those types of movies that people tell me to watch, I kind of just like save them, you know, save them for like the the special occurrence, uh, special occasion, you know. Um, So it just happened this week that it was uh, I felt it. I felt 12 Angry Men. Um, I know the premise going in. I know it's a one, you know, one location. Uh, 12 jurors trying to figure out what's happened in this, uh, you know, trying to reach a decision in this case. And it was just so much better than I even thought. There there you go, right there. Yes, it's just, it is. it was so good. It blew me away and my expectations were high. Like this is now one of my favorite movies ever. I've only seen it once. I, I have a hard time saying that after only saying it once, but one of my favorite movies ever. I'm going to watch it many more times in my life. Um, yeah, I just, I loved it. Everybody acting in this movie is incredible. You know, you got a handful of jurors that stand out, but everybody's great. Um, and just the slow reveal of what's going on in the case. And then, you know, eight kind of getting, getting other jurors on his side slowly. It's just paced brilliantly. Uh, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Uh, new members of this community, uh, you might want to get your uh, notepad out there uh, and the, take notes on like the last like two minutes of what Dean said because that this that's a good way to like enter the community and just be like, hey, all the new men's like amazing. This, <laughs> uh, but no, seriously though, uh, literally everybody knows that this is my favorite movie because it is. Uh, I, I say this every time, but it's like, it's the greatest ensemble of all time. 
And every time I watch it, I focus on a different performance because all oh, the performances are so freaking good. Uh, I, I love John Fiedler as uh, Timid Little Girl too. Or obviously, Lee J. Cobb is my favorite performance of all time in film. Uh, there's so many good ones here. You've heard me talk about this a thousand times. I'll go over to Payson. Payson, uh, I also know you love this movie. Yeah, this is maybe, and, and I've heard people describe this as maybe one of the most accessible classic films of all time. Like, you could take this movie, like, just take the dialogue with the filming and release it today, and people would still love it, even to this day. Yeah, I think, just like what Dean said, how Jure just slowly starts to get more and more people. It's perfectly paced. It's not a very long movie. My, my personal favorite character, the one... The one guy I've always regrettably say I would probably be in this situation is juror number seven is Jack Warden, who just wants to get to a baseball game and doesn't care about the results. I think it's sadly very relatable in that situation. But no, I think this is a great movie about like doing what's right. And like Boat said, the, the final moment with Lee J. Cobb, where you just really start to see why juror number three is so mad at this thing is really, really powerful. Yeah, it's... This is a spectacular film. It's weird seeing Jack Warden without a mustache because he almost always has a mustache. Like his later roles, it's weird seeing him. He honestly, like, they look like two different people, like old Jack Warden and new Jack Warden. Just completely different. Mike. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. Go ahead. Look, we can all admit to it right now. This movie's a piece of shit. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a great fucking movie. I love this movie, Dad. Performances are great, and this movie does not work if those performances are top-notch, because that's all you have in this is the dialogue, and the dialogue is fucking fantastic. I have fucking choice. Absolutely. Okay, well, Dean, off to a great freaking start. Uh, Mike, we'll go to you next. Mike, what's your pick? All right, so as some of you know, Friday nights, we do double feature nights. And the majority of movies people pick, I've already seen. So I go through a lot of we watch it through those. But last Friday, Kelly comes on and picks a movie I've been wanting to watch, but I hadn't seen Howl's Moving Castle. And yeah, I fell in love with it. It's such a great fucking movie. It, the, the voice acting is incredible. The world that builds around it is insane. I love the animation style. It's great. And Billy Crystal fucking kills it in every role he has. It's so fucking fun. And just the process of what um, she goes through throughout the film up until the very end is amazing. It's an amazing journey. And I just love the actual moving castle. Moving castle, the whole concept of that is fucking fantastic. Now, yeah, this, this movie's uh, really imaginative, as you can say about all Miyazaki movies. Really imaginative, looks gorgeous. I don't think this hits like the high highs for me of like a Spirited Away because I, I feel like Spirited Away is a little bit more like a controlled imagination, like it's imaginative, but there's uh, an amount of precision. Whereas Moving Castle, and this is not necessarily a negative, but just feels like unbridled imagination and creativity, and I think. That's a lot of why it works, but it's why it doesn't hit like the highest highs because it's not quite as you know precise as some of other, Miyazaki's other work. But it's still a fantastic film. Uh, Payson, have you seen this? I have, and I I'm kind of in the same boat with you, Boatman. Where um, it's not quite my favorite Miyazaki movie, but I can't deny that I have a lot, a lot of fun watching this. It's so creative, like all the visuals. I think are like 
insane. I know with this one in specific, it can be kind of a turnoff because of how weird it gets. But for me, it really, really works. Um, like Mike said, I love the character Calcifer, voiced by Billy Crystal. Just Billy Crystal just has such a great voice for um, for voiceover roles, and I think he really, really plays this one uh, well. I believe this was the second time in his career Miyazaki said this is going to be my last movie, and he made three, two other movies after that. Going to make a third one. So yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, he he's kind of the king of. Saying he's gonna retire and then not actually doing that. Dean, have you seen this? I have. I have seen this. Um, I have at times said that Howl's Moving Castle is my favorite Miyazaki. Uh, that's probably not right now. Um, other, a few other ones have sort of jumped it, but I would say it's still top tier. Uh, I love it. Absolutely love it. It's a, it's a movie about a bunch of characters who don't want to grow up, um, which is me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I don't want to, I'm afraid of being an adult, you know, and I think that a lot of characters in this movie are afraid of being an adult. And uh, yeah, so I, I just, I can, I can relate a lot with the themes going on. Um, I think, you know, obviously the, the magic happening and everything in the movie, all sort of the, the, the insanity that's going on is, is so fun. It, it's all so great. The, the castle's so great. Billy Crystal's Calcifer, incredible. Um, yeah. Top tier for me, for sure. Miyazaki. Absolutely. Uh, well, now we'll go over to uh, Payson. Payson, what's your pick for your favorite movie alive this week? Yeah, uh, my pick is actually a recommendation from uh, Aaron J. It's called Brewster McCloud. Uh, I really, really loved this movie. Um, essentially what it's about, it's about this kid uh, in Texas who's trying to build um, artificial wings because he really, really wants to fly. Um, it's directed by Robert Altman. Uh, the character of Brewster is one of like my new favorite characters in movies. Like he, he's a complete social outcast. Like he does not like communicate with people well. He lives under um, a nuclear a nuclear fallout zone, and all he wants to do is just build his wings, regardless of whatever people say. Um, there's a there's there's a subplot that starts out kind of weird where like there are murders going around the town and like throughout the movie you're like how is this going to connect with Brewster's journey and then as it does you're like oh wow okay that's actually really really clever like most Altman movies there there there's a lot going on uh this is Shelley Duvall's first performance and she's so great um just the innocence of her character I think is really really well captured um has a really great like climax when he eventually during the flying scene I think is really really cool and maybe one of my new favorite like credit scenes in movies like it's I I love this movie. Uh yeah, I have not seen this yet. I've had three separate people message me after watching this movie be like Boatman you need to watch Bruce from a cloud. Uh, two of those people are on this call, uh, and the other is Aaron Jay. Uh, but no, I, I've been meaning to watch. Um, Dean, have you seen this? I haven't seen this one. This is one that is uh, on the list, you know, on, on the list to watch, um, but haven't got around to it yet. Fair enough. Mike? Yeah, I enjoy the hell out of this movie. It, it is the type of Mike movie I love. It's a fantastical elements to it mixed with real life shit. And yeah, as Payson said, Shelly Duvall is so fucking great in this. She is so good. And yeah, the, of course, the subplot, I absolutely love. And I love how it actually connects to the overall theme of it. Good shit. Valid. Well, 
Uh, now we go over to me for my favorite movie that I watched this week. And uh, I'm going with a David Mamet film called Fate in Maine. Uh, this is a film from 2000. Uh, I don't hear a whole lot of people talk about this one. Really clever and really well done. Uh, so basically premise is you've got this, you know, uh, Hollywood movie that's being shot and they need to move their uh, town where they're shooting it at. Uh, so now they're shooting it in this small town in Vermont. And basically it's how the kind of small town life in Vermont is disrupted by these sleazy movie guys, basically. And how you find a little bit of the corruption in the small town too and a little bit of the sentimentality in both the sentimentality in both so it's it's really clever i i like this i usually in these types of movies i like the stuff that's like the actual like behind the scenes like solving all the problems and then when you get into like the personal like interrelationship stuff it's kind of like eh, okay i think both parts are done super well here the actual main like Stuff. William H. Macy plays the sleazeball director, and he's actually really good. It's a weird role for Macy. He's great. Uh, but then Philip Seymour Hoffman plays the writer, and it's also a weird role for Hoffman because he's just playing, like, a normal dude, uh, which is fun to see. Uh, and he starts this uh, relationship with uh, someone from the town, and it's actually really sweet and really well done. Uh, the cast of this movie is really good. It's uh, David Mamet, so it's really well done writing. Uh, yeah. Uh, Payson, have you seen this? I have not. I've never actually seen a David Mamet directed movie, and I want to get into his directed stuff. Yeah, no, there's. Uh, you need to watch House of Games. I think I've told you that before, but you need yes, to watch. Yes, yes. Uh, Dean, have you seen State in Maine? I have seen State in Maine. Uh, I really like this movie. Um, it is. It's really charming. Um, and, and at the same time, you know, there are those sleazeball characters that you just laugh at and all that. Like the jokes are so funny. You know, there's some jokes in this movie that they do sort of the unexpected thing and it makes it more funny. Just like the name of the movie being the old mill and like the way they reveal that to you. Um, I won't like, you know, give anything away for people who haven't seen it, but just the name of the movie is it's so funny. That like made me laugh out loud when I watched it. Um, yeah, that's, it's, it's just a, it's a movie with a lot of heart in it. Um, even though it's like got those sleazy characters in it. So I, uh, I really enjoy this one. It's fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Mike, you've seen this, right? Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy the hell out of this movie. I love the disruption of the town and everything to do with the old mill, how they keep having to, how Philip Seymour Hoffman keeps having to rewrite shit to try to work around the problems they occur with it. It's so fucking hilarious. I love this movie so much. It's so great. I, I've rewatched it many times since it's come out, and I never get tired of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, that is everyone for your favorite movie we logged this week. Now we go to the sadder side of that coin, your least favorite movie you logged this week. Uh, Dean, we'll go back over to you. Sure, yeah. Um, sometimes a movie has to do a lot of work for me not to like it. Um, I'm pretty, uh, pretty open with the movies I like, but there was a movie this week that I did not like. And it was, uh, the remake of black Christmas from 2006. Um, this movie, I think there's a couple different versions of this movie out there. Um, the one I watched credits rolled at 80 minutes and it was somehow still 10 minutes too long. Like it should have ended 10 minutes before that. <laughs> And 
I had so much promise going into it. Like I had, I had so much excitement for it because I'm a person who sort of likes, I kind of like trash, you know, or, or whatever, you know, I just, I, I like that, those types of movies, a remake to black Christmas. Great. I'm excited. You know, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's in it. Excellent. Lacey Chabert's in it. Excellent. You know, just, I, I'm excited. I, this thing can't do any wrong. And uh, it does. <laughs> um, every one of the characters in the movie is just kind of the same character. Um, they're all just, kind of mean that's that's sort of just all the all the beats that they get um the story I, I will i will give it credit for trying to do something different than 74's black christmas um that's always nice and sort of a remake not just doing it exactly the same but trying something new uh but it just it just really wasn't for me they just they set up so many things at the beginning so much drama at the beginning of the movie and so many threads that they set up and so much mystery behind who a, 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 the killer could possibly be and all that by the end is just nothing. Like it doesn't even matter. Everything they set up is more interesting than what they actually pay off. Um, so that's not really a good ending for the movie. Uh, yeah, I just, I found myself excited at the beginning and when 70 minutes hit and I thought the movie was over, I was really disappointed when there was 10 more minutes. Valid. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen this. I haven't seen a version of Black Christmas. Uh, Payson, have you seen this one? I have not, but yeah, I. Oh, okay, valid. I'll cover the mic. Uh, yeah, do you know what Dean has said everything why I dislike this movie as well. And the '74, like it's, they've done two remakes at this point, and both of them just have not hit what the '74 was able to do. Which the '74 is a great fucking time. It's not original by any means, but it is a great fucking time. But these two, they just, the directions they take have been kind of bad. And it, like he said, all the characters are basically the same. It There's nothing interesting about it. Valid. Uh, well, now, Mike, over to you. What uh, is your least favorite movie log this week? So, as we all can attest, we all like to play battle shits with a friend in a bathroom. And I think it would actually be more fun to play Battleship than actually watch the movie Battleship. Because, <laughs> goddamn, this, like, this movie is just... I was so wondering where this is going. This is like, Mike likes Harold and Kumar. Where are we going? <laughs> <laughs> this fucking movie is overlong, which it doesn't have to be. And you got the main star, Taylor Kitsch, that just can't lead a movie. He, Especially this one, and the, like it, the biggest part of it is when his brother dies, and it cuts to him, and he kind of doesn't give a shit. <laughs> like he, he barely gives a reaction to his brother dying, and it doesn't actually occur until the very end of the movie where you finally see kind of an emotion from him. But I went, not only all of his friends, but his brother dies in one ship, and they just kind of move along like it didn't really happen. They went, fuck it. It, and that's the entire movie. That's the whole concept of this movie. The characters make stupid decisions after stupid decisions. He he sees that the spaceship is like destroying people, and he goes, "Let's just go ram it." I went, "Yeah, that's smart. Fuck it." But yeah, it's it's just yeah, it's not good. It's a movie. I unfortunately have never had to sit through <laughs> battleship. Payson, did you see this? Uh, I did not, but when I saw on Letterbox that Mike gave this the uh, the rare two and a half stars, I was like, "Oh, this is bad." When Mike gives a movie two and a half stars, that means I will never watch it. 
He'll give you the three. He'll give a movie that's like awful the three star just for existing. No, with the two and a half, it's like oh man, no way. Uh, Dean, have you seen? Did you did you have the uh, misfortune of sitting through Battleship? I sat through Battleship. I did do it. I did it back in 2012. So it's been a little bit since I've seen it. Um, the Taylor Kitsch just, uh, yeah, like Mike said, can't hold a movie, can't lead a movie. It's unfortunate. He's uh, he's well loved on on television shows, but uh, <laughs> they just kept trying to give the guy a movie, and he kept just failing at it. Um, it's uh, I want to say it can't be all his fault, but it, you're, you're right. There are a lot of scenes in this movie that he is just not pulling off. But also, a battleship movie that, I mean, this has to do with aliens, right? That's what this. That's what this movie is. Yeah, it's just it feels like a very strange fit in this movie. Um, yeah, it was it was a weird watch back in 2012. I'm sure it would be right now as well. I'm surprised we didn't pick on Rihanna like more. <laughs> right. She's in the movie. Uh, so, yeah, now. Oh, Jason, what were you going to say? I was going to say, does, does she ever call an SOS on the ship? <laughs> I will kill you. Um, That's a great question. Hey, okay, uh, now we will go over to Payson. Payson, what's your least favorite? All right, so Bowman. So, uh, so your father is a pastor, right? Yes. I'm so you're like where this is going. Oh, I know <laughs> where this is going. So, so you're like a man of God, correct? Sure. <laughs> Are you ashamed of this? Okay, just uh, the movies. <laughs> I'm not ashamed, everyone. Did you say I'm not ashamed? <laughs> Uh, wow. Uh, Mike gave the rare two and a half star. I gave a movie a half star this week. Uh, <laughs> I got to watch this movie for trivia. I did not decide to watch this movie. Just want to clear that out. Uh, in case anyone doesn't know, uh, this is a movie that is about uh, a young teen girl named Rachel uh, Joy Scott. Um, if that name sounds familiar, uh, I will explain why. Uh, she goes throughout the movie, uh, and she, uh, forms a relationship with God due to her magical relationship with her cousin, played by Sadie Robertson of Duck Dynasty fame, and, um, uh, she, um, she, she gets a role in her school play, she gets a job at her, at her coffee shop, and, uh, she wants the world to know that she is not ashamed of her belief in the Lord. Now, this movie's not great, but, like, that's not awful. You see, there are two kids that the movie keeps on cutting back to. Um, and uh, these are big edgelord kids. Uh, they're playing these video games. Um, they're uh, saying, man, we, we, we got to take some stuff. Uh, by the way, I should tell you that the, the school that Rachel attends is Columbine, because this is a biopic on Rachel Choice Scott, the first girl that was killed in Columbine. Uh, this movie is soulless. This movie is um, honestly kind of morally reprehensible by the way it portrays, like, uses this tragedy. This is a pure flex movie, so it's essentially propaganda, which, like, those are already bad, but it gets that little extra thing by the fact that, oh, this is a true story, so you feel really uncomfortable as you watch it. Uh, the movie barrels through to, like, a climax where she's, like, just in the yard and then just a bullet just psh, right into her head. Um, she dies. She dies in the most way because, like, she gets shot in the head, but like, there's no blood. 
Um, and then one of the shit. You know what? This movie's awful. It's a half star. Don't watch it. <laughs> that broke me a little bit. And I know I knew where you were going with it the whole time. I know what this movie's about. But I had to sit there and I had to wait for you to get to the build up. So you you wanted to remember Mia with the oh this is about Columbine. I haven't seen this. Don't put that evil on me. Mike, did you watch <laughs> I've seen a clip of this somewhere, either on YouTube or somewhere, and I went, no, thank you. <laughs> I don't want to go through this fucking movie at all. Dean? Not for me. That? No, no, thank you. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're going to a movie that's not about Columbine. And I will say, this movie is not terrible. Uh, but I watched The Mere Kraken uh, not too long ago. And so I, I was to kind of preface this. I was watching some of the old uh, Miss Marple movies with uh, Jessica Rutherford. And those movies are fine. They're not particularly great, but they're not bad either. Uh, but they understand that the main character of Miss Marple is a charming character. That's why Agatha Christie used her in that. She's a fun character, and she's it's fun to watch her solve a mystery. So imagine if you took a Miss Marple movie and you got Angela Lansbury to play her. And she's great. Angela Lansbury is fantastic in the movie. The problem is, about 20 minutes in the movie, Miss Marple breaks her foot and she has to send her dumb nephew to go solve the mysteries for her. And that that guy is a block of wood. He sucks. Um... So, like, we, you made a Miss Marple movie without Miss Marple. And, like, there are good things about this movie. Uh, Elizabeth Taylor and Kim Novak play two former old Hollywood stars that, like, hate each other. And it's great because I almost feel like that's real because they barely share any screen time in this movie. <laughs> uh, so that's fun. Tony Curtis Looks nothing like Tony Curtis, but he's fun in this movie, too. He's like a, a douchey producer. He's fun. Overall, this movie is not atrocious. I didn't have a bad time, but this movie would have been better if Angela Lansbury was actually, like, interacting with, like, Elizabeth Taylor and Kim Novak and all of them. Uh, Payson, have you seen The Mere Kraken? This sounds like the Alvin and the Chipmunks, the squeakquel of Miss Marple movies. <laughs> You got that. You, you no, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, I yeah. think I don't know if Dave Seville is as integral to the world of our <laughs> Miss Marple is to a Miss Marple movie. Hey, <laughs> uh, Mike, I have not seen this. Dean, uh, no, sounds kind of good though. Sounds kind of good. Yeah, like the, the stuff <laughs> good is good, but the yeah. no Miss Marple is that. Uh, so now we get into the meat and potatoes, as I like to say, of the show, uh, which is the movie that you want to live in. Uh, Payson, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, um, I think there's kind of a fine line when you take this one where, like, you got to I, I, I want the world that I want to live in to be fun and cool, but I don't want it to be so crazy that I might die every two seconds. <laughs> uh, I think I found a happy medium. I'm taking Toontown from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, 
One, I'm kind of living in like a 1930s, 1940s Hollywood, so I already sort of had like that vibe I enjoy. But also you just get like random cartoon characters just like walking around. Like you could just like be walking down the streets like, oh, crazy, it's Dumbo. Or you can go check the mail. It's like, oh, dang, it's Betty Boop. Uh, there are cool mysteries that are going on, which like could be a little scary, but like, uh, like Eddie Valiant makes that okay. Okay, you might be able to make it out okay. Um, and you know what? So, uh, a uh, fact of this movie that uh, is not explored enough is if I like don't like my arm, I can replace it with a cartoon arm, and then suddenly I can like turn my arm into a hammer and like hammer nails in. Sounds awesome. This <laughs> honestly. I didn't think about that part. That part feels like a, a weird, like David Cronenberg body horror movie. Way honestly, that part's kind of horrifying to think about. Oh, but no, I I think this is a good pick. I I I like the world of Toontown. I think this is a good pick. I will say that probably you're the person on this call that you were probably the worst pick for this. Because you are, you would not be a human in Toontown. Toontown. Oh, you are a cartoon, and being a cartoon in Toontown would suck. Um, but, but, uh, who framed Roger? This is this is a fun world. Uh, I used to not like this movie, and I don't know what I was thinking. If I'm being honest, this is just one of my weird. Like, why did I dislike this? Uh, but Dean. How are you feeling about Who Framed Roger Rabbit in Toontown? I like it. I like the pick. Um, I also didn't like this movie, but that's because I was a kid and afraid of it. Um, it was scary to me. And I find that maybe being in Toontown, maybe living in Toontown would bring back some of those old memories I had of being afraid. But I, I think I'm over it. I, I'm down with it. Um, I definitely love Toontown now. So, uh, yeah, I, I like it. I think it's a good idea. I think... Um, I think all the cartoon characters around, though, um, you, you wouldn't have to, like, take drugs anymore. You know, you, you'd have all these you, everything's all over. You know, everything's just exciting. You know, there's 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 no reason to take any anything else um, to get. Uh, yeah. To get that visual. So I, I, I'm in. Valid. Uh, Mike. Yeah, I think living in Toontown would be a lot of fun. You get the you get the aspects of the real world, but then you get, you know, the fucking Looney Tunes of it all. You get the insane shit that goes on. And I kind of already lived that with Nazario because he's a cartoon in live action form. <laughs> <laughs> he, he would be perfect in there. And yeah, it's a great choice. I think Basin hit the nail on the head with this. That's valid. Uh, yeah, I think I'm taking this and I'm going to go next. And I'm taking this in a little bit of a different direction because I'm not going with a particular like the world in which this movie inhabits is not particularly different uh, than our own. But I, I just think that this movie has just, like, such happy, positive vibes that, like, this is, like, my ultimate, like, pick-me-up fun movie. Uh, so, and I, I just love the this world. I'm going with Mary Poppins. Uh, I, I think that, you know, obviously the majority of the it's just, you know, England. But then got the magical elements that come into it, and those are just also pretty fun. Go jumping into chalkboards, you know, the carousel races, Edwin on the ceiling. Who would not want that? Uh, so yeah, the, I think Mary Poppins. This is just this is a fun world. This is a positive world. It's like super upbeat. I love this movie. I think that's part of it. Uh, but yeah, uh, Mary, the world for Mary Poppins is my first pick. Payson. 
How are you feeling? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think this is great. Like, I, I, I really think the unique thing about this one is like there are points of this movie's world which is like really kind of like dark, like. Um, at night when, like, the old man is, like, watch, like just walking down the road, like, it, it, it could be, like, kind of scary, but, like, at the same time, you, 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 you have that wholesome charm of just, of just a woman coming down, she comes to your house, and she's like, hi, I'm here to make you better. It's like, great, I can use some pick-me-up stuff. It's great. That's valid. Uh, Mike? Yeah, it's yeah. another wall that I think is a great choice, because, again, it's, little bit in reality mixed with a little bit of fantastical and it, yeah it is just an upbeat wall and i think that's what's great about it is that it's just a fun time to be there you got singing going on and shit like that you got wild shit you got Nazar would love it you got a maid that you don't have to pay that's fine uh dean uh yeah it looks like a hell of a good time to be a chimney sweep um that it the movie makes that look like a lot of fun i've always wanted to be a chimney sweep with one of those brooms just marching around um yeah it would be great also a musical like of course i want to live in a musical where people just break into song to explain what they're doing yes hell yes i'm i'm in i'm in for this pick i i i can't tell how much of that is sarcasm <laughs> all real man it's all real <laughs> uh, fair enough fair enough uh, well, uh, anyway, we will now go over to, let's go over to Dean. What's your first pick? My first pick is, um, Ready Player One. And, uh, oh. I know, I know the world, the world of Ready Player One, the real world is not a great place to live in. But what I'm talking about is the Oasis. I want to live in the Oasis. Um, this computer program, this video game that you can... Uh, I mean, basically live in. If you want to see a movie, you don't go to it in the real world. You log on to the Oasis and you go to a movie theater in there and you watch a movie through your goggles. Uh, I love it. I love that you can, like all the characters in every movie exist in there as well. I would go out and get myself a Batman suit. I would go out and get myself a Jack Burton costume. You know, like I just, I would get all my favorite movie things and they would be, I'd wear them, you know, I'd wear them everywhere. And, and not just that, not just that, like, every movie that you love is also there, but there's this, like, ongoing competition to win uh, millions of dollars just for knowing a lot about movies, comics, and video games, which is my life. So, <laughs> like, it, it pays you off, right? It's like, I can go into this place, and the more movies I know about, and the more comics I know about, the better I am in this world. I can, I can maybe win this competition, and it would just make me want to watch more stuff, make me want to... Um, enter more areas that were like the movies I'd watched and then like use my knowledge of it to, to pay off. Uh, yeah. I just, I, I would really love to be in the Oasis. You're telling me that you want to be a part of like a competition where like <laughs> knowing stuff about movies will let you like yeah. win that competition and pretty much like, everyone else there is like a weird nerdy person. What kind of sicko exactly yeah. in like a community like that? What type of <laughs> uh, if only there was something like that. If only. Yeah, if only if only there was some type of some type of plex that there were I don't know where I'm going with this. And, yeah. Flex, yeah. There were multiple, and it was entertainment. Anyway, uh, no, 
Uh, this is actually a really fun, I did not think about this. This is a really fun pick. I like this. Uh, yeah, no, like, Oasis looks like the coolest video game ever. Like, it's the ultimate open world game. It looks awesome. Uh, and clearly it's made by, like, a super nerd who, like, loves, like, classic pop culture. And there would probably be, like, so many cool, like, references and stuff. I would probably never be attempting to actually win the game because I wouldn't care. Because I'd be off in, like, freaking... There, there's probably a whole world dedicated to like Billy Wilder movies, and I'd be hanging out with AI Jack Lemon the whole time, <laughs> and I'm okay with that. You can win the million dollars. I'm gonna go hang out with the the cast of uh, the Fortune Cookie. Uh, but no, uh, this is a great pick. I really like this. Uh, Payson. Yeah, I think Dean just won. Like this is so clearly like <laughs> the best pick. Like because one. From the people that have the headsets, it doesn't see like when you see outside, it doesn't seem that like only like the super rich people have the headsets, so like it doesn't seem like super expensive. And then like the I other mean, thing, like more the, people in like the freaking trailers. I like yeah. everybody has. So no, I yeah. think yeah, I think like that it's basically like having an iPhone, like ninety nine and mm-hmm. not ninety nine, but like a good chunk of the population has. No, yeah, that, that, yeah, that that makes sense. And the other thing is, like, the fear that I have of some other fictional worlds of, like, man, I I, I feel like I'd be in danger. Like, now, like, I don't have to fear for my life because I know it's technically a simulation. So, like, Mad Max, if I wanted to go into, like, a Mad Max world, let's go. Want to go into a Boogie Nights world? Let's go. It's awesome. It's all there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I'm just imagining... Payson, they're in like this universe, there's a Boogie Nights world. And like clearly, everyone else is going there for a very different reason than Payson is going there. Everyone else is there for the reason that you would think they would go to a Boogie Nights world. And Payson's just talking to Reed Rothschild. Give me the undershirt, two sizes too small, let's go. (laughs) I do not want to see you. Uh, Let's go to Oh yeah, this was actually my ultimate choice because it is the ultimate cheat as well because it's every world that we think of in movie world. It's the ultimate world to live in because you can go do anything you want without the fear of actually fucking dying because if you die, just go right back in there. Yeah, you have to collect more shit to actually be able to do a lot of the stuff, but if if you're like Boat and you don't go and constantly try to fight people, you can slowly build up money and just go travel the fucking world without losing all of it. It's a great fucking pick. Yeah. Uh, well, Mike, that brings us back to you. Uh, what's your first pick? So my first pick is a Nightbreed, specifically the city of Midian, with filled with monsters. Because fuck it, you know, it's, it's a great fucking time to live with a bunch of monsters and shit. Let's go. <laughs> you know, I can survive that shit. That's fine because it's just like the real world where you know there are. Like the scary monster, they're the bad monsters, and then they're the good monsters. You know, it's just like real life. You know, I go in there, you know, just rule some ass. You got some crazy ass fucking creatures in there. Then you got the real life fucking um, uh, David Cronenberg serial killer coming after you. You know, you can survive it. And you get to chill with monsters all day. Who wouldn't want to live here in a cemetery <laughs> underneath the cemetery, you know? I haven't seen Nightbreed, but man, is this not the most Mike Hanley thing? <laughs> Uh, Payson, have you seen Nightbreed? 
no, but I know what this is about. Um, Mike, God bless you. I would be terrified of this role <laughs> for my life. So that's why I wouldn't want to choose that. But you know what? Good for just being gutsy. Respect. <laughs> Dean, have you seen Nightbreed? Uh, no, I haven't. I do know what Nightbreed is, though. And uh, so, yeah, also respect the pick. Uh, don't know from at least the, the poster if I would also want to be in there. <laughs> That's valid. Uh, Payson, I think we'll go back over to you now. Yeah, so uh, for my second pick, I'm making this in a very specific... I'm, ta I'm taking this one for a very specific reason. Uh, I'm taking Toy Story. Uh, now, the reason I'm taking Toy Story is because my the, the rules I've come up with is I am taking the knowledge I know of the movie and I am going into this world with that knowledge. So I'm gonna break this world. I am going to find a toy and I am going to sit it down and I'm gonna say, motherfucker, I know you're living. I am now your boss. I'm now the king of all of you and we are going to rule the world. <laughs> and this toy is gonna take me to their leader. We're gonna bond. We're going to coincide, and we are going to take over the world together because I'm going to show them that they should not be living like this. And I, uh, we, we will be the kings of the world. I'm going to break this world because I'm the only one that knows the toys are alive. And yeah. Did we just learn that Payson is actually like a super villain? He said. He said. I'm gonna make this world a better place. You freaking talking about world domination over here? It's a fictional world. It's not ours. I don't take over this one. I take over. Yeah. What is the easiest world to dominate? <laughs> world of toys. <laughs> We, if we turn Payson's computer around, he probably just has a whiteboard of like every movie. <laughs> <laughs> universe would be the easiest to dominate. Oh my god, Payson. I will I, I will respond to the actual pick though. I think this is a fun pick. I mean it's the world where toys are living. That's fun and all. I don't know what the heck Payson's talking about. <laughs> I, I don't want any part of that. If I knew that the toys were living, I'd just be like, yo, what's up? Rex? No, yeah, it would be me and Rex. Rex and I would just hang out the whole movie, and that's what we do. Uh, anyway, Dean, uh, what do you think of this? Yeah, I, I like the pick. Uh, Toy Story crossed my mind. Um, I did not know where that was going when Payson started. Thought we were going somewhere else. Uh, <laughs> I love it too, though. I love Payson's choice of why he wants to go in there. Um, yeah, I would like it as sort of I, almost just like our regular world. Like I would still want to be a human in that world and not know that toys are doing things. Um, and that's just toys just are alive and have friends. And I just don't know about it. No one knows about it, but we live in that world where toys, where toys uh, hang out together. Um, I like it. I think it's cool. And in this world, you know that the actual movie of Lightyear does exist. You can still watch it. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a bonus. Fair, fair. <laughs> uh, Mike, what do you think? Oh, yeah. I think this is a fantastic choice. You know, I, too, would probably do world domination with base. <laughs> fuck it, you know. But, yeah, living with toys that are alive seems like a fun concept. Do some fun shit with that. Uh, now we go for my pick. And I, 
I will admit, this next pick, I have similar logics behind it to Payson. The difference is my end goal is not world domination. My end goal is just like, this is the one universe in which my useless knowledge would probably actually be quite helpful. It's the last action hero, guys. <laughs> this is a world where if you know the tropes and basic like things that happen in movies, you're, you're going to do just fine. You're going to rule. Like, if you freaking see, you know, Willem Dafoe show up, you can be like, I do not trust this gentleman. <laughs> There's solid odds he's going to try to kill us. Let's avoid him. You know, because it's just like F. Murray Abraham showing up. That guy killed Mozart. I don't want to trust him. So I, I think using all, you know, my completely useless knowledge of movies would help me in this universe and it would be awesome. Plus you get a world in which there's like cartoon cats and all these other things. You get a little bit of everything. Uh, Dean, what do you think of this pick? Yeah, this one, uh, this is brilliant. I love this. Um, I, I love any world that's gonna pay off knowledge that I've collected over the years for being a nerd um, where it, uh, elevates my status you know where yeah you know the tropes that are coming up great you know everyone wants to stick with you everyone wants to turn turn to you to make the decisions because you know how uh these situations play out i think this is a great pick i love it uh i was i got a smile on my face as you were saying it uh that would be so fun just to uh, no, this is what we do in this situation you know i know because i've watched this movie i know how it's supposed to go i love it yeah uh mike yeah, it's a really fun choice because you could use that ticket for any fucking movie you want and go into any world, and I think that's a fun choice. And But then the cool side of that is they can come into your world and fuck your shit up in the real world, which also might be kind of fun as well. What's fair, Payson? The first thing I'm doing when I get into the last action hero world is I'm just jumping through a window because I can. Like, I'm going <laughs> to jump through that window. I'm going to break, and I'm going to be okay. That's going to be awesome. I, I would want to just once, like, put, like, a bomb in, like, a building, like, an abandoned building, have it blow up, and I just walk away from it, and the explosion behind me. That would be, that would be cool. Walk slow-mo away from a bomb. Anyway, uh, now we... Now I just realized we now have out of context birds saying I want to put a bomb in the building. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Clip that. Dean, <laughs> save me from being canceled. What's your next pick? All right, uh, my next pick is a. Uh, it's from a franchise that was on the list last week, but I've picked a different movie in the franchise, um, and there's a specific reason for that. So it is. Uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. So the uh, reason I would like to be um, in Harry Potter is because I want to be in a magical world, definitely. Uh, I want to know spells. And I like obviously, I want to be magical in that world. I want to be a wizard. Um, I want to, uh, yeah, learn spells. I want to learn how to put potions together. I want to learn, I want to be in that weird school where like the staircases move all the time and the paintings talk. It's just, it, it's so magical, so wonderful. Why I pick... Goblet of Fire um, is because I really like sports and I really like um, competition 
And, and my favorite thing about sort of sports and competition is like tournaments. You know, it's like it's this compact time where, you know, anything can happen. It almost feels like anyone can win a tournament. And uh, this movie has a tournament and it has a tournament in school, in high school, where, uh, you know, other schools come to visit. They stay the entire year for this tournament, which is very strange. That never happened at my school. Um, they would come for the weekend. But I, I love seeing like, you know, everyone come to your to your school, these different schools, and then you're just going to play. You're going to play in this tournament. It is very dangerous, but I feel like um, if I was a very competent wizard, I would I would want to enter. I would want to enter the uh, the tournament. I want to put my name into the Goblet of Fire and uh, try to win the the Tri-Wizard Cup. Um, what, I, what I really like also about the tournament is the strategy that's involved. It's not just sort of like who knows the most spells. It's almost like who knows the most about themselves to be able to uh, strategize their way through each one of these elements, um, each one of these stages that also have, you know, riddles that they have to figure out. Uh, it's all just, it's, it's all stuff I love. <laughs> I love games that aren't just straightforward, games that have strategy and you can bring your own strategy. I mean, it's why I love Warzone and, and, and fandom because that's, that's what those are. You know, you, you have your different strategies for different rounds and you can actually do something to gain an edge. Um, in, in your preparation. And so I, I love that stuff. I, I love that you can, you know, sort of bring your own strategy into the game. And, and that's what I find is in the Goblet of Fire that Harry has to like figure out what he's good at in order to maybe pass a task that someone else would on the outside look better than him at, at doing. Um, so yeah, I, I, I love this one. Um, I just, I really want to, uh, I really want to cast a spell. Just want to do that once. That's valid. Oh uh, yeah, no, this would this would be a fun uh, world. I, I think the the Harry Potter world. It's like of like the big fantasy movies. Harry Potter is probably like the one I had to, I got attached to the most because I think most people know me. I'm not like into a lot of these big like fantasy sci-fi worlds. Uh, but this is probably my my favorite, or at least the one I got the most attached to. And yeah, no, I think this is a super fun pick, and I like the logic used behind the Triwizard Tournament. That's that's actually a really good point I didn't think about. I do like that. I still would probably not enter the Triwizard. <laughs> I would die. I mean, I'm fragile. I'm I'm very brave. Even even if I wasn't good enough, I'd still want to watch. I'd be a good spectator. No, if I thought yeah, if no. I thought my skills weren't up, I'd be a good spectator. Here's the thing. Quidditch seems like a sucky sport, and I would not want to watch that. However, the, the Triwizard Tournament seems is actually fun to watch. And I would watch that. If that was the Super Bowl was the Triwizard Tournament, that'd be cool. I'd be good with that. I wanna watch Quidditch. Quidditch seems like it kind of sucks. And it I'd rather sense. I'd rather watch an actual game of professional football than watch Quidditch. And I <laughs> 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 I, I forgot who said it, but I think the best explanation of Quidditch I've ever heard is imagine a basketball game, but while that basketball game is going on, there are two guys running throughout the stands trying to find a ping pong ball that is hidden under one seat. And if you get that it gets you like 200 points but no um i the the wizarding world is one of the ones i thought about but the danger was the only thing that really like kept away from it yeah but you do have a point because at least with this one with the exception of poor cedric the kids seem to be okay like the the, the kids are not non-voluntarily hurt 
So of the Harry Potter movies, this is one of the better ones to pick. So yeah. Don't put your name in the goblet of fire. <laughs> You're safe. <laughs> there you go. Just kick. I'm, I'm gonna kick back with Fred and George and whatever. <laughs> I, I don't need. I don't need any of your your athlete nonsense. We're just gonna walk through the game. Mike, what do you think of that? Yeah, I think this is a great choice. Living in Hogwarts with a Triwizard Tournament going on, I think would be fucking awesome to see. You got the magical elements in general of you being able to do magic. You get to learn more magic as you're going through there. And yeah, if you want to enter, you can do some crazy fucking shit. It's great times. That's valid. Uh, well, Mike, that brings us back to you. What's your second pick? Um, second pick will be uh, Hook, specifically Neverland and Hook. You get to live in tree houses and, you know, make up any type of food you want to just imagine it to come and you get to eat it. And then you get to fight with pirates every other day and fuck with them, which I think is fun. That, that'd be fucking awesome. <laughs> you, know, you just show up and fuck with them a little bit and then you leave and then you go hang out in the tree house again with a bunch of your buddies. And they're just like a family alone. They just hang out together all fucking day. You don't grow old and shit. You know, that sounds like a good fucking time that I know of. I'm willing to show up in fucking tights and, you know. Great times will happen with him. Great fucking world to live in. Let's be honest, Mike. In this world, you would be Rufio. <laughs> <laughs> My family would be Rufio. And that, I think you'd be okay with that. Uh, <laughs> Except the dying part, you know. I could do with that. With the second part of that. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you, you get a good run. You <laughs> What, 300 years probably? And then again, <laughs> no, Hook uh, is uh, it's a movie that I used to be a little too hard on. This movie's fun. It doesn't quite hit high highs for me, but it's, it's a fun time. And I, I'll be honest, the pirate world also looks like super fun. Oh, yeah. Dangerous. The pirate world looks, looks like, like that. That baseball scene is a fun time. That, that is the, Best game of baseball ever played in the Jason? Yeah, um, you 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 forgot to mention, not only does Robin Williams show up, you have waxed chest Robin Williams showing up. <laughs> Just like shaved all his chest hair, like one of the most notoriously hairy men. Just like <laughs> this is a really fun thing. <laughs> Uh, Dean? Uh, yeah, being a kid forever? Hell yes. Um, I already said earlier in this show that I was afraid of getting old. Um, I would love to be a kid forever. This is a great pick. Um, I, the scene where they like, eat, you know, eating the imaginary food and then the food's there, like that scene's just stuck with me since I've been a kid. I thought that was the coolest thing to just like imagine it. I would always pretend to do that. I always pretend to eat food and then hope, like try to make it come into existence. Uh, I love this. This would be great. This would be a great pick. Also, you're like surrounded by all your friends and they're like your friends forever. They're like your <laughs> lifelong friends. Uh, it's it's awesome. It's a great time. They don't have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, everyone here has made two picks. Uh, we have two more slots. Uh, I'm going to withdraw mine because I don't really have a good one. Who has a, a good pick? I have a random one. Okay, Mike, go ahead. Uh, Back to the Future 2. 
2015, the future war would be fucking awesome. Okay. You got the like, cafe 80s, you got the fucking hoverboards going on, you know, you got all kinds of fucking cool shit. Plus, if you want to fuck with Doc Brown, you can jack your fucking DeLorean and just go into where the fuck you want. <laughs> Essence, it's fucking awesome. You can do anything you want. Just hold up Doc Brown for like 10 seconds, take your shit, and then you're off to the fucking... Where you go. I love how we get we get paced and being like, I'm going to interrogate Pam and basically be like, tell me who your leader is. I want to take over the world. And we get Mike saying he's going to mug Doc Brown. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing here, but I'm having a fun time. Um, no, I, I agree. This 20, it's very much a 1980s version of 20. Yes. I don't know if I want to live in a world where we've got 19 Jaws movies. Um, I feel like I feel like that's a problem. But, you know, maybe, maybe Jaws 17 was really good, guys. You know, in this, in this universe, like David Gordon Green directed like Jaws 17 and 20. Right. And then he did like Jaws 18. And Jaws 18 was like the fans were kind of split on it. And half the fans were like, this is like a completely new revolutionary direction. And, then, and the other half was like, this ruined my childhood. <laughs> but then they were like, okay, fine. I'll hand it to Max Spielberg to do Jaws 19. Jaws 19 probably sucks. Let's be real. I'm sorry, Max, but it probably sucks. Anyway, on that tangent, what do you think about living in this world? I mean, in this world, you can make the Jaws movies a strength now in Warzone, so. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Assuming that Warzone exists in this world. No, yeah, yeah, 100%. But, like, no, this is one of the ones I thought about. Like, this seems like such a delightful future. And, like, like all the colors just kind of, like, popping. Like, going to Lou's Cafe, getting some Pepsi Perfect, hanging out with young kid Elijah Wood. Like, yo, what up? You're going to be Frodo one day. <laughs> <laughs> going to a cafe. Pepsi <laughs> Perfect. Hanging out with small children. <laughs> <laughs> Telling them they'll be great. Yeah, showing up with that hair and beard like a mental patient. Talking to small children. Like Charles Manson. And then yeah, like like Mike said, like like if 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 you ever get bored, like you can mug mug Doc Brown, get the DeLorean, like I can go see Charles Manson. Why are because you want the time machine. <laughs> the whole point is you shouldn't mess around with time. <laughs> no, I, I could go back to the 60s and I could go meet Charles Manson and I could be like, you know what? It will be- <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know how to follow that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I do want to see 19 Jaws movies. I love Jaws movies, even the Revenge. Uh, it's a shark underwater, so it's great. Um, yeah, I think this is a good pick. It, it, anything like talking about stuff that I like really loved as a kid and wanted to be real, 
like hoverboard hoverboards <laughs> up there and that's in the in 2015 here i mean now it's like okay you know that seems a little little dangerous how would it how would it really work um <laughs> but i love it i i still want it to exist if one existed and it hovered i would want it <laughs> I, de I definitely want it so uh yeah this is this is a good pick i like this world i like how this world looks um, Zemeckis, I don't think really wanted to make a, a future movie. That's why most of this movie is not in the future. <laughs> yeah. um, but he, I think he did a good job. I think, I think the stuff that is in the future looks pretty cool. Uh, so it, 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 as a kid, it was always, it was always my favorite part of the movie. It is not now. Like now my favorite part of the movie is the stuff that happens after. But as a kid, I, I was always really, uh, yeah, really amazed with this world and, and really loved it. So this is a great pick. That's fine. Hydrated uh, pizzas. Yeah. <laughs> Hydrated pizzas. Hell yes. <laughs> Oh yeah, what pizza doesn't look that good to me? <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a bad pizza. It, it looks like a pre-2015 Domino's pizza. Yeah, yeah. Even though it's pizza, it looks like a Domino's, like a, a bad Domino's pizza. Yeah. Uh, Before uh, the recipe. Besides Mike, who Payson, Dean, which of you wants to make the third pick? Johnny, you yeah, have one that you like. You, you can go, Payson. Okay. I think I have one. We're going to make this a little more somber. And I'm going to get a little bit more real. Uh, we've No, honestly, honestly, honestly. We've, we've tackled the idea of not wanting to grow up tonight and just wanting to be a kid. Uh, there are some nights where I get into, like, an argument or, like, I'm feeling sad, and I just want to go off to an island, and on this island, there are just a bunch of monsters and I can just live with them. I'm thinking where the wild things are. Uh, I legit, like, I, I think this is honestly, like, a really solid pick. Because, like, there are just days where I do just want to escape into my own fantasy world. And, like, as long as you, you can get past the first, like, five seconds of these things wanting to eat you. And convincing them that you're not food. I think you can have a nice time. You can hang out with them. Uh, you can uh, have snowball fights like how they do in the movie. You can, uh, I I would not uh, be mean to Frederick, the Paul Dano goat guy, because I feel kind of bad for him. I could have like nice long existential talks with James Gandolfini's Carol, and we'll just like talk about like the Sopranos and stuff, because he was also in the Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> Jason's picks are so amazing. Because now, like, weird things going to happen. You'd be like, hey, your voice is actually the voice belonging to this guy who's dead now. But anyway, he played this mob. Basically, like, an Italian that kills people. And basically, uh, you know, he, it was a TV show on the TV. Right. Um, let's go. Man, now saying that, now I might be mean to the Frederick Paul Dano guy because I might just reenact some There Will Be Blood stuff to see if he does it with me. That'd be fun. <laughs> but, like, I, I talked to Judith, voiced by Catherine O'Hara, because she's got, like, that mom nature, and I'm like, you're okay. You're, you're, I know you got to take care of these, these guys, but, like, you're going to be okay. Like, this is, I think this is a good pick. <laughs> That's valid. Uh, Dean, what do you think about this? Yeah, it's good. I like that we have a, a more somber one on here. Um, you know, sometimes you need those, uh, you need to get away. You need those quiet times, but still, you still got some friends there. You, you can still have some friends on that island. I like this. I, I think it's a good pick. Uh, Mike? Yeah, you know, I think Payson's got a little bit of me in him, and he likes to go to places to live with monsters. I like it. 
It's <laughs> fucking great. Yeah. Uh, well, that wraps up for that portion of the show. Uh, our selections were Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Mary Poppins, Ready Player One, Nightbreed, Toy Story, Last Action Hero, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, Hook, Back to the Future Part Two, and Where the Wild Things Are. But before we head out, we have one last thing. The movie of the month was Pig. Uh, Mike already talked about it last week, but uh, Payson, you have not talked about it yet, right? Uh, I have not. Okay. Uh, well, uh, Pacey, even though I haven't talked about it yet either, I'll let you trip. Uh, so, start off, your thoughts on Pink? Yeah, I think one of my favorite things about this movie, I love this movie. Uh, this is the second time I've seen it, and I think one of my favorite things about it is the restraint it has throughout the entire time. And just that somber feeling that the movie gives you. Um, Nicolas Cage's character of Robin, I think the reason why he, why he seems so, like, like relatable and why you sympathize with him is because he seems like such an outsider in this world. Like this is clearly a world that he left of the food world. And he's just sort of like, we can't come like a borderline like hermit. And now that he's coming back, like he, he doesn't want to like try to like fit in or doesn't want to try to assimilate. He's literally just here because he wants his pig back so much because he loves that pig with all his heart. Um, Nicholas Cage is fantastic in this movie. Uh, he would have made my five for best actor this year. Um, I just think he plays this part so quietly. Um, the, the, I, I think everyone talks about this, but the restaurant scene is masterful. Like that scene where he just goes in with talks with the guy that owns the restaurant and just like verbally destroys him. Like, the people that said, like, this is John Wick with a pig, like, that's not accurate. But in that scene, Nicolas Cage's character does with words what John Wick does with guns. Like, he just, like, murders this guy, and it's kind of, like, beautiful. And then just, like, even to, like, should we spoil this movie? Or would you say no? You're allowed to. It's, it's okay. the movie the, the, the final confrontation. Yeah, the, the final confrontation, when he, when he finds the guy who uh, stole his pig and you think like, oh man, is he going to lose it at him? And he literally just cooks him a meal because he wants to relate to the guy. Like that is what I think is beautiful about the movie. And then just the one last thing I love is I adore the ending to this movie because while I'm watching the ending, I feel like when I first watched, I felt like it was going to pull back at a second to be like, oh, but it's going to be okay. But no, like this movie really hits you. Like, no, he's lost like, everything like this pig was everything to him and he is destroyed by the fact that he lost it no i love this movie four and a half stars out of five that's fair uh i i found that like one of my favorite like semi-specific genres of movies are movies where essentially they're set entirely in the real world but you're essentially shown like, a whole new, like, underground world of, like, facets. Like, it, even though this movie is set in the real world, the way that this world of, like, chefs and, you know, restaurant owners, it feels like the setup of, like, a fantasy world, almost. Because it's there's all these new rules and dynamics and different things, and I think that's really fascinating, and I love it when movies basically make aspects of the real world almost just feel like a fantasy world by nature of how like foreign but interesting they are. Uh, I love the restaurant scene. 
I love both of the scenes where he confronts um, the guy who was responsible for taking his egg. Uh, that's uh, Adam Arkin plays him, I believe, and he is really good. I really like him in that. Uh, he's a really good actor who has not gotten to do as much as he should have. He's like really good in like, the West Wing, uh, but he doesn't get to do too much, and I really do like him in that. But yeah, uh, overall, this movie's really good. Four and a half out of five for me. Or sorry, four out of five for me. Uh, Dean, that's on Pig. Uh, I love Pig. Uh, pig fucking rules. Um, pig is about like grief. It's about loss. It's about uh, your journey through that and um, you know remembering your loved ones and getting to a point where those memories um, are pleasant. You know, um, when you're in that process of grief, those memories can be painful. And everyone in this movie doing, they all kind of have, the main characters have their own things that they're grieving and the memories of them cause them pain. And uh, the movie's about getting to a point where those now bring you that joy back. That that good memory you had now brings you that joy back. Um, I love movies about grief. Um, it's... Uh, yeah, it's it's just it does it so well. Um, I, I can always tell sort of when a movie has been made by someone who has, you know, lost someone close to them because, I you know, I can feel it um, and I just feel it in this movie. I think uh, a lot of the emotions uh, that the characters are going through are very real. Um, plus, you know, the movie's kind of I didn't know that that's what it was going into it. The, the movie is kind of framed like John Wick with a pig and it kind of has that tension throughout it still. So there, I, I'm still always waiting for that moment. He's going to punch someone in the face and he always chooses to not do that. You know, he always chooses compassion. He's in, he's in front of so many people that physically took his pig and he does nothing to them. Like he just wants to get that pig back um, to the point where the ending, he cooks a meal for the guy, the guy who has his pig, he breaks into his house. You know, you're like, okay, here it is. He, they're breaking in and he goes into his kitchen and he cooks him a meal that will remind him of his wife. And it is so beautiful. It's such a great moment. If someone did that for me, I would cry my eyes out. <laughs> like it is, it is just, uh, yeah, it is, it is a, a beautiful movie. Um, I love it. Nick Cage being in it is just, uh, you know, the icing uh, on the cake. Like I love Nick Cage and he is just has this reserved pulled back performance. Can't believe he, uh, you know, didn't get a nomination. Um, wonderful movie. Uh, in my, I think it was in my, definitely my top 10 of 2021, maybe my top five of 2021. Uh, really loved it. Fallon. Uh, what do you give it out of five? Oh, five out of five. Oh, yeah. Five out of five. Okay. Well, that does wrap it up for Peg. Next week, uh, we have uh, SNL alums. That is a full panel. That should be fun. That's going to be our last show of the year. We're going to take a break for the rest of the year. Uh, so, yeah, thank you to everybody who has. Uh, watch logged at this year. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, thank you to Dean. Thank you to Payson. Thank you to Mike. I uh, thank everyone for watching. See you next week. In case I don't see you. Good afternoon. Good evening.